Pelk Power Tools Podcast, Episode 1. Welcome to the Pelk Power Tools Podcast, where pastors gain insights and resources for fruitful ministry. And here's your host, Kimon Hines. Welcome to our Pelk Power Tools Podcast, our first episode. I'm your host, Kimon Hines, and we're so glad to have as our very first guest for our first podcast, Dr. Jesse Wilson. Dr. Wilson is a professor at Oakwood University, and even more importantly for our podcast today, he is the chair of Pelk. Welcome, Dr. Wilson. Hey, come on. It's great to be here, man, and I'm excited about this new podcast feature. I think it's going to be a great addition to what we're trying to do at uh, Pelk. All right. All right. Well, let's jump right in. The theme for this year's Pelk is 316, 316, and it's a focus and an emphasis on the gospel. So let's just ask the first question. What is the gospel? You know, I think that's a good question. I I think the gospel is uh, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the implications for the lives of of people. And the reason I'm glad you started with that question is because I I think the challenge that we experience from time to time is thinking that the gospel is everything, and the gospel is not everything. We preach some important things, but specifically the the gospel is um, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ uh, and its implications for our lives. And so a number of things that we preach are important, but they might very well be expressions of the gospel or extensions of the gospel. But the real power flows out of the clarity that we preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Sure. So what I'm hearing you saying is that the gospel and its content is narrow, but its scope and its effect is broad. It, it, it impacts everything about life. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I just left the class about 15 minutes ago, and... Um, it was a class on public evangelism, <clears throat> and we were unpacking this very thought that uh, the gospel needs to infuse everything that we preach, but we need to become specialists in that whole narrative of uh, the gospel as is expressed in um, Romans 1.16 and Second Corinthians 5, I think First Corinthians 5. We need to become specialists um, in unpacking the gospel because that's where the real the real power source is. What concerns me a little bit, and I was telling this to the young preachers today, is that if we're not careful, we can we can be um, specialists at sharing the commandments. We can share our gifts and we can share our talents. Uh, but we really need to be experts in sharing the gospel because that's a real power source. Wow, that's that's, that's interesting. You know, in yeah. one of one of your. Um blog post that you posted on our website, you made this statement that this is the most important Pelk ever. That's a bold statement with all of the evangelism councils and Pelks that have taken place. That's a pretty bold statement. I want to just give you an opportunity right now to defend that statement. Yeah, yeah. The reason I said that it's going to be the most important Pelk ever is because this will be an opportunity for us to focus on the principles of the gospel and the implications for you know, personal development and for professional growth. I've been attending Pelk for over 30 years now. I mean, I went to my first one when I was a student at Oakwood. And some of the most uh, important messages that I've heard have been preached at Pelk. But I think this one 
is the most important one, at least from my perspective, because we're going to be focusing on the uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ and how we need to uh, make sure that the gospel influences us personally and then as an extension of uh, our personal experience with the gospel, we need to, uh, it needs to impact us uh, professionally. The, you know, Evangelism Council, at least that's what it was termed before it became PELP, Evangelism Council reminds me of, of a very important point as it relates to the gospel. You know, come on, my experience is that when it comes to public evangelism, one of the fundamental problems that we have is getting our people involved in witnessing and in sharing. And at the foundation of that, to me, is, is this reality. You really cannot effectively spread the gospel if the good news is not good to you. Wow. Wow. And uh, I, I think that when we begin to explain the gospel in a way that people understand, and to pastors in a way that they uh, clearly understand the implications of the gospel, not only for them personally, but professionally, I think that thing is going to make what we do to do explode. Wow, that's that's interesting. I, I appreciate that. You know, you you mentioned the gospel having an effect on us personally and for our ministry. So I want to just ask you, how has your understanding of the gospel shaped your life and ministry? I want to ask you a more personal question. How has it affected and shaped and changed your life and ministry? Yeah, that's a good question. I think on a practical level, um, the gospel for me just builds confidence. Not arrogance, but confidence. And, and, and it's interesting. My wife and I, I have uh, talked about this on occasion. There are a number of things in my life that I've been uncertain about from time to time, but I've never really had any uh, level of uncertainty about my salvation. I don't want to be presumptuous, but I think early on, um, through conversations that I had with um, Dr. Cleveland, D.E. Cleveland, and through um, pastors that influenced my life, and through uh, my passion to understand the, the the science of the gospel, the distinctions between um, sanctification and justification and glorification, it gave me a confidence early on um, in how I stand and where I stand before God. It really kind of serves me well, because um, if you really don't have some sense of security as it relates to your salvation, it's almost impossible to try to preach that to somebody else. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah, you just yeah. can't. They, they can sense it. They can feel it. They can almost intuit it if you are preaching about something that you heard rather than something that you've experienced. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I, I think for me on a practical level, it, it has built confidence, and that's kind of served me well. Okay. So your understanding of the gospel has given you a confidence that has just fueled you to now go out and share that with someone else. Oh, yeah. No question. Sure. Well, you know, I'm, I'm sure as we're recording this podcast and as it will be listened to by the pastors, there's some pastor that is out there just struggling with the demands of ministry. And, you know, there's some pastors who just barely make it to pelt. They make it on fumes. They're... It just seems like ministry takes all of the life out of them. And yeah. I want to just give you an opportunity to share some encouragement. What, what encouragement would you give them to look forward to based on the theme of this year's PELC? Yeah, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that. In one of the blogs that I uh, wrote um, earlier, I looked at this quotation from Ellen White, I think from Sons and Daughters, where she said that our first responsibility, and I'm just kind of summarizing it, 
to that our first responsibility to God and our fellow man is self-development. And for a lot of people, that's almost counterintuitive. They think of it as being selfish. But the reality is, if you don't take responsibility for your own self-development, spiritually and professionally and emotionally, relationally, you're not going to be good for anybody else. And at the core of that is your own assurance of salvation, your sense of confidence in the relationship that you have with God. And so what I would recommend everybody do it's just preach the gospel to yourself every day. Wow. Because everything about us preaches another gospel. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, everything about the system that we are steeped in basically says that we're going to uh, promote you based on what you've done. We're going to applaud you because you've done this. We're going to accept you because you've achieved certain things. And the gospel flips that whole thing on its head. Right. Uh, which basically says, I'm going to accept you, and then you're going to perform at a different level. So I'm saying it's important for pastors to preach to themselves, because if you don't, the default for most of us, and certainly the default of the world system, is totally contrary to the gospel. Right. So you're saying the gospel says something different than what the whole world and society says. Yeah, you know, the the world tells us we... We obey, and then we're accepted. But the gospel yeah. is saying something just radically different. We're accepted. Now we obey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I think, to me, the implications of this are amazing. Because for some people, they're drawing this false distinction between the grace that God extends to us and the works that he expects of us. And the, the reality is the two go together. You're not going to really be able to reach your fullness. So you're not going to be able to reach your potential until you're kind of immersed in the gospel, because it's only as you understand the gospel and God changes your desires and motivations that you really begin to work in a way that's effective and self-fulfilling. So the two aren't in competition with each other. They go together. You're not going to reach your full potential until you understand the power source that your actions come from. Sure. You know, it's one of the things that uh, people who are not proponents of being gospel-centered or people who may have a, a problem with the gospel-focused ministry, one of the claims they make is the emphasis on the free gift of salvation will make people do less. And and I'm, I'm wondering, are you saying that gospel-shaped and gospel-fueled people don't do less, but they actually do more? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm saying that I wouldn't use an individual as a referendum on that. I'm saying that those who are um, driven by a, a grace-infused uh, lifestyle, they have issues. People who are legalistic have issues. But uh, I don't really uh, draw my opinion based on people's lifestyles. I'm looking at what the Bible says. And the reality is it's the grace of God, the love of God that compels us, that motivates us, that pushes us. And the Bible has any number of illustrations of how things change uh, from inside out. I was preaching this uh, this past weekend um, at New Life in Huntsville, and at, at a point I was talking about Zacchaeus and the experience that he had with Jesus Christ, the encounter that he had with, with Jesus Christ. Zacchaeus had all types of issues. He was hated in his community. The brother had all kind of uh, challenges. But when he encountered Jesus Christ, he gave 
uh, an enormous uh, an enormous amount of his wealth away immediately returned to people that he had cheated an enormous amount of wealth and in that passage that most people are familiar with you don't see Jesus telling Zacchaeus what to do you know what I mean right. you don't hear of a disciple in the background saying why don't you give a half of what you own you don't hear anybody forcing him to do what he did he was really changed without anybody commanding him to change. Right. And my point is, if you're going to really experience a life change, that change is going to have to come from inside out. Right. That's right. the Bible saying, by beholding, we become changed. By beholding who? Jesus. Right. What? The gospel of Jesus Christ. That's real power, but that's from inside out. Sure. Okay. Okay, so now the gospel. How does that now affect our approach to public evangelism and evangelism as a, as a whole? How does How does the gospel as as the center of our Christianity and as our faith and our practice, how does that affect our approach to public evangelism? Because I'll be honest, I've sat through evangelistic series that um, we almost scared people into belief and scared them into joining the church. So a new emphasis mm-hmm. on the gospel, how does that affect evangelism? Yeah, I think that when you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're addressing a fundamental um, need that people have that they can sense and, not, and really at times not even explain. They can't explain this angst that they have or this lack of confidence that they have. In other words, what I'm saying is, and this has said over and over again, people do have this kind of God-shaped vacuum that the gospel is only going to be able to fill. And so um, the first thing I would say about our preaching is that it really addresses the hard issues that people are wrestling with that sometimes they can't even explain. But okay. beyond that, I won't get real pragmatic as, a, as, as an evangelist, there ain't no power in anything else. Mm. That's, that's the point. I mean, there is no power. That's what I'm going back to Romans 1.16. The power source is the gospel. Eloquence is something that we need to build. We need to be um, sharpening our tools so that we can expand our uh, ability to reach different people. But the real source of power is your ability to simply and effectively explain the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ and the implications for every individual. That stuff has power. Wow. And I think the fact that we got to say that so many times almost makes the point that we, we, we really need to get to a back-to-basics movement uh, toward the gospel. Because that's what, that's what the real power is. Right, right. Okay, so and so what we're looking for is not just fruit. We're looking for fruit that remains and fruit that comes from the power of God being active in our work. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, of course, well, let me jump on that, though, because uh, it's, it's not an either-or. Yeah, I've heard a lot these last couple of years from people who've been frustrated with um, traditional evangelism, at least as they describe it. They, they think that evangelism is a numbers game. Well, I don't back off of that at all. I think that numbers represent people. Right. And uh, so to the extent that numbers represent people, I'm glad that evangelism is a numbers game. And I'm just kind of putting the word name uh, game in quotes. But sure. the point is, I think that not only does God expect us to be faithful, it is absolutely clear that Jesus expects us to be fruitful. Right. And that fruit is represented not only in your personal development, but by, but by people that you right. come into contact with. So, again, I think the best 
thing that a pastor can do is understand and preach the principles of the gospel, because not only will it make you faithful and your folk faithful, but it will make you and your folk fruitful. So it's a wonderful package. Sure, sure. Well, I, I want you to, to help some pastor who is listening to this and is honest enough to admit my understanding of the gospel isn't where it should be, and I want to learn more of this. Would you share some resources for this pastor to better understand the gospel as they prepare for Pelk, even before they get there? They want to sharpen their, their understanding. What would you tell them to, to check out? That's a good question. Uh, one of the books that I've used in my, um, particularly my master's class, the last couple of years is Center Church by Tim Keller, a minister in Manhattan. I like that book, even though it's heavy reading for some people. I don't think it's particularly difficult for most people, but I like it because he's a pastor who um, is leading a growing church um, that is uh, steeped in the principles of the gospel. He, he has um, sections in that book that uh, give us illustrations of how he contextualized the gospel for his area. And that's something that we're going to have to do, each of us. We're going to have to learn how to uh, speak the language of the gospel, speak the gospel, the principles of the gospel, I should say, in the language of the people. So Center Church by Tim Keller okay. is, a, is a good one. And um, uh, there been some others, but I would speak the Center Church. That's a good one. Okay, okay. So Center Church by Tim Keller, good resource. All right, I'm mm -hmm. sure we'll put some other resources on our uh, newsletter and our website for people to go to. Um, tell yeah. me, tell me, Dr. Wilson, what are some features of this year's Pelk that you're excited about, the event, that you are just, you know, there's something about these particular um, features that you want to tell someone who's listening that they have to come to this year's event because this is going on. Um, just, just share with us some of the things that you're excited about. Yeah, we're going to have a great time. First of all, the preaching is going to be amazing. We have, um, uh, who's coming? Nashville Edwards from Canada, and uh, Pup Fordham is going to be doing our explosion on Tuesday night. We've got uh, Gene Donaldson from the D.C. area, and uh, Lola Moore is preaching. Yeah, uh, a gentleman that some people have heard, most people haven't, from, uh, from Houston. Ralph West is one of my favorites, Church Without Walls. And I tell you, um, he's going to be um, one of our guest ministers. He's not an Adventist minister. Uh, and he's, uh, he, he does have a powerful message. The brother's a theologian. He's a powerful preacher. And for those who enjoyed Lance Watson uh, last year and William Houston Curtis the year before, we're going to have a time uh, this year. We might have to move those points a little higher this year, man. <laughs> keep the folks, keep the folks on the pulpit. But that's going to be great. Then we got the boot camps. The boot camps going to be good. The boot camps, I believe, going to uh, just uh, help the past. So we have a boot camp on preaching. Wesley Knight's coming back. We've got one on uh, growing your church uh, by growing disciples. We have one on uh, Myron and uh, Edmonds and uh, and Seth your Lord are doing one on the power of habit. Just some great. Uh, boot camps, so those, those boot camps are good. But I do want to say this. The service awards that we gave out last year, oh, man, that was an amazing yeah, time. This year, instead of 6.30 to 7, we're going to start at 6. We're going to go from 6 until 7. We'll be giving awards to Benjamin Rees, Alvin Kimball, Calvin Rock, James White, Walter Pierce, and Herman Davis. And we're going to do a musical uh, tribute to the Blend Rights. That's we're old school for some of y'all, but, you know, I love the Blend Rights, man. <laughs> Grew up listening to the Blue Rice. The point is, we just going to have a fantastic time. I'm looking forward to it. Wonderful, wonderful. 
Well, you know, even before we get there to the event, it seems like Pelk has been doing some new things to provide resources to pastors. Kind of share a little bit about some of the things that have been going on uh, relative to technology and just the extension beyond an, a weekend event, a week event. Yeah, I'm excited about that. And uh, you're a part of that committee, that media committee with you and uh, Chief uh, Goodman there in Philly and uh, Chris Thompson in uh, Ohio and Ron Reeves up in Allegheny. He's just a great media team. And I think what folk will immediately see is the uh, expansion of the website itself. It's, it's user-friendly features this year that we didn't have before. You want to look at uh, that website because that's going to be uh, something that will connect us with folk year-round. Then you got the Power Tools, which is our regular newsletter that I'm hoping everybody has already received, and uh, they can contact us if they haven't. And then the blogs, our PowerPoints, uh, the blogs have been coming out, and the response uh, for the blogs and the newsletters, uh, the response has just been great. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, Dr. Wilson, I just want to let everyone know the dates for this year's Pell Gathering are December the 7th to the 10th on the campus of Oakwood University in Huntsville, Alabama. And if you have not registered, you need to go to the website right now, pastorsleadership.org, pastorsleadership.org, and register. Check out the blogs. Check out the resources. Uh, we want to just thank you for listening. And Pastor Dr. Wilson, would you just pray for our listeners uh, as, you, as we close off this podcast? Oh, certainly. Father, we thank you so much for this day. It's a beautiful day, no matter where we are, no matter what our circumstance is, because it's just good to be alive. We thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior, our elder brother, our friend. We thank you for the grace that he's extended to us. We pray, God, that this uh, help conference that we're anticipating and looking forward to in the month of December will be the most powerful experience that our pastors and church leaders have ever had. We thank you for all of the preparation that has gone into this conference, and now we pray that you would just have your way. Bless every person who hears this podcast. We pray that you would bless and prosper them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Dr. Wilson. Thank you for all those who listen. Please continue to listen to our podcast as they come out. God bless. Thanks for tuning in to the Pelk Power Tools podcast. We hope that this episode has been helpful to you. For more information on the show, yearly conferences, and power tools for your frontline ministry, visit us online at pastorsleadership.org. Pelk. Encounter. Equip. Explode.